Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Hoping you're all in good form on this very chilly Thursday morning. John Paul taking your calls. 1850-333-103 and temperatures are going to continue to drop this week according to Met Erin and they did tell us last week and they are confirming it that temperatures this week are more similar to temperatures we could expect in January rather than in November. Highest temperatures will go no higher than 4 to 8 degrees Celsius across this week and then overnight falling to below zero, going as low as minus one degrees on some of the nights. Siobhan Ryan is a forecaster with Met Air and she said the below average temperatures could then lead to sleet and wet snow and there certainly was a dusting of snow in some areas yesterday. She says the main theme is that it's staying unsettled with colder than normal uh, temperatures, uh, really cold temperatures, particularly at uh, night and that's going to lead to frost and foggy conditions as temperatures go below zero overnight so they're warning uh, that the sleet and the wet snow could cause visibility problems for some motorists so you do need to be careful. Now they are saying by and large the, it will fall as rain. There is a risk of sleet and wet snow particularly on higher ground but by and large it's just going to be cold, very cold with rain rather than snow in most uh, areas and con- temperatures will continue to be below average heading into the weekend with then rain extending across the country on uh, Saturday. So not the greatest weather forecast across this week but it certainly is bitterly cold morning this morning if you haven't been out you'd want to wrap up warm the gloves and the hats and the scarfs all need to be out today but I tell you what warmed the cockle of my heart when the postman arrived today and thank you to a gentleman I don't know if he wants his name called out or not so I'll err on the side of we'll leave him anonymous but it's a gentleman from the West Cork area very kind man who actually telephoned the radio station last week to find out how he could send in a donation for the that young woman in Belarus that we've been helping with her three young boys that he wanted to make send a donation in and he did and he's uh, popped a cheque in the post for 100 euro and he says hi Patricia just uh, uh, a few lines hoping this finds you well this is just a few bob for that young woman and her young family in Belarus it should get her a few things for the kids for Christmas and also some food for them. How's your daughter keeping? Keep up the good work. Well, my daughter, Marsh is keeping really well. Thank you. And thank you for asking. But thank you. That is a very, very kind uh, donation. And we will get it to our ASAP. And I know only uh, last week, the week before, we had to send money out to her to buy her food. So she's she things can get that tough for her with three 
young boys. So thank you. That's a very, very kind donation. And just to acknowledge that it has arrived safe and sound. We've been talking about things to do with Christmas this week on the programme. You know, we've been talking about is it too early to put up the Christmas decorations with some saying never too early to put up the Christmas decorations. And then that led yesterday should pubs open on Christmas Day. And can I say we did a poll. I'll get the official figure from John Paul, but we did a poll up on our Facebook page asking people did they feel pubs should open on Christmas Day and I'm open to correction but I think it came out at 83% were against pubs opening on Christmas Day and only 17% were in favour of them. People were saying leave it as, as is and generally speaking by the huge reaction to it yesterday on the on the phones and text message service and over, over social media the majority of people are saying no, the pubs shouldn't uh, open. The few that did were looking for it from a social point of view. And people were saying just because the pubs opened on Good Friday, it doesn't mean we should now follow suit and do the same on Christmas Day. I think people saw two very distinct different days between Good Friday and Christmas Day. And while there was religious objections to the pubs opening on Good Friday, the majority of people see it that it's a Friday Generally speaking, in the middle of April, there's a lot of tourists around. It's a normal business day for the majority of businesses. And it just seemed kind of antiquated that the pubs were still closing. Whereas Christmas Day is very different because businesses are closed and it is very much a family day. So the bulk of the people were saying, no, leave it as is. And then yesterday evening, I came across something on Facebook that I thought was worthy of a mention seeing as we're on the Christmas theme this week and I'm interested in your thoughts on this. It was a posting on Facebook that I've since discovered is from a social worker in America but I think it's as applicable here as it is in America and she put up a a Facebook post just to get a message out to parents who have Santa age children in the house and it reads I cannot stress this enough Stop telling your Santa age kids that their iPads and iPhones and all other expensive toys, and she says $200 toys, that they are from Santa Claus. Because some families can't afford that. Little kids wonder why they got cheaper toys or maybe a warm coat or a hand-me-down toy from Santa while other kids in their class got an iPad or got a very expensive toy. This is the second year, says this social worker, that I've had a parent cry to me, telling me that their little kid asked if they weren't good enough or if Santa didn't like them as much because they didn't get the as expensive toy. It breaks my heart, said this social worker, both for the parents and for the children. So take the credit, parents, for the expensive gift. Santa didn't buy that iPad. Mummy or Daddy did. Leave the less expensive toys. Let Santa Claus deliver those. Be blessed that you can afford what others can't. And then she just signs it off as uh, Merry Christmas. And it got me thinking of the number of children that are in emergency accommodation. Well, we've over 3,000 children that will be waking up on Christmas morning in a hotel are in a one of the family hubs are in a B&B and for many of the, the families in that situation they're not going to have a lot of money because many of the families living in emergency accommodation are spending the bulk of their money on takeaway food so they don't have a lot at the end of the day and I know when we did the interview with do you remember that Facebook book group Maz on a Mission and they are hoping to donate 
to every single child that's in emergency accommodation. They're hoping to deliver a toy this Christmas. And they specifically said, don't buy anything over €20 because they want every child to feel the same and they don't want one child getting a more expensive toy than another child. But it just got me thinking there will be children in the new year, you know, heading back into school and probably already in school. There's have children written their Santa Claus letters. There's certainly a lot of talk at the moment with children, what exactly they want Santa Claus to bring this year. So you will have children in school sitting next to a child and saying, oh, this is what I'm getting, you know, the latest the latest Xbox, I'm getting the, you know, the latest iPad, whatever it is, I'm getting the most up-to-date phone. And there will be children sitting there who Santa Claus won't be able to bring the same type of toy because it's simply too expensive. So is that something that parents should think about in maybe explaining to your children that the, while Santa Claus might bring the toys, mummy and daddy have to pay the money for it and that it's the more the smaller toys are the toys that Santa Claus brings. I'm conscious in my what I'm how I'm phrasing this because of little ears but, but you know what I'm getting at. Uh, would it take the magic away or does this social worker have a point and there will be a lot of children whose families can't afford very expensive toys and do they go into, into school or back in talking to their friends believing that for whatever reason they weren't good enough or that Santa didn't like that's heartbreaking to think that any child would think Santa didn't like them enough because some kid and some child sitting next to them in school got much more expensive toys from Santa Claus than they did that's really really heartbreaking your thoughts welcomed on that please 1850 you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 now coming up on the programme this morning in a couple of minutes we're going to be speaking with a cardiologist who will outline why cardiologists are getting together and why they we should ban e-cigarettes e- and how dangerous is vaping. Now, I would be very interested to hear from anybody listening to me this morning who is a vapor. I will straight away put my hands up and say I quit smoking because of vaping. Are you one of those people? How do you feel now about uh, vaping? Because, and I would put it to the expert joining me on the programme, there is some health experts are saying that vaping is 95% better than smoking. But then there is the 5% and there's also because vaping is new, are there dangers that we're just not seeing? I mean, when you think about it, when cigarettes first came out, they were advertised as almost being healthy for you and there was wonderful ads. Nobody knew the implications on your health of smoking. And now we all know and is that is that going to be something in 20 years time we'll look back and a generation will look back and think what were we thinking of when we were vaping and will the evidence be there because any of the research at the moment seems to be very small studies and that's why any of the studies that come out gets knocked because there are very small studies so do we need a lot of large studies to take place in order to prove for once and for all if vaping is bad, exactly how bad is it for you? So we'll speak with an expert on that on the programme today. The famous mural of the Murphy's Stout on the gable end of a house as you're heading into McCroom got painted over this week. I wonder how many people noticed it. It was funny, we were contacting some people in McCroom, including one person who should remain nameless, who said they were out the previous evening and walked by it and didn't see it. Now we'll give them that person the benefit of the doubt that it was a dark evening and maybe that's why they didn't realise that the big pint of Murphy's Stout 
about has been painted over. We're going to be discussing that on the programme. Also hearing why some play schools have been forced to close in West Cork. Also ongoing problems accessing home help hours. Clonakilty, what it's doing, it's doing its bit for climate change. There's a big event coming up that we will be telling you about. Member from Garda Siakona will join us for Crime File. And uh, we also don't have Jane Pickett, our resident vet, this week. She's not available to us uh, this week. But instead, we're staying on uh, the animal theme. And we will be speaking with Autism Assistant Dogs Ireland. And they have they are looking for puppy foster carers. Uh, and uh, we'll find out a little bit more about that that and more coming up I mentioned how that uh, social worker was suggesting to parents that when you of Santa age children to let the children know that the more expensive presents come from mummy and daddy and that Santa gives the smaller ones because not every child and not every family is able to afford very expensive toys. Uh, Fiona Bottman said Hi Patricia I've always told my children that I as their mother post money to the North Pole so Santa Claus can buy the pieces needed for their gifts and then the elves put the toys together. I always tell them not to ask for very expensive things as if they do another child might lose out. Oh, what a great big heart you have, Fiona. And you will raise great children if that message is getting through to your kids. That's fantastic. Well done. And that's exactly what the social worker, the message the social worker is trying to get across. Well done. And uh, thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862103103. A quick mention to a coffee morning that's going on. It's a native Mitchellstown Cope residence. Uh, they are holding a coffee morning in the Forest Hall. New Square in Mitchellstown's on now. Kicked off at 10 o'clock. They're there until 1 o'clock today. There is a raffle and a cake sale. So the Forest Hall in Mitchellstown if you are around this morning. And an email in from Kathleen to Patricia at c103.ie looking for a bit of help. Uh, Kathleen said I lost a tailboard of a car trailer. It was lost between Rathcormac and White's Cross and there's a reward on offer for this, this tailboard of a car trailer for its safe return 0871 283 if you came across that tailboard of a car trailer lost between Rathcormac and White's Cross 1850 333103 lines open A Cork band once asked Where's me jumper? Now C103 is asking it Where's me Cork Simon Christmas jumper? Every year, thousands of people here in Cork get together to help fight homelessness by wearing a Christmas jumper to work, school or anywhere. Don't make a song and dance about it. Simply get your fundraising pack now at CorkSimon.ie. The Cork Simon Christmas Jumper Day. It's time to wear your jumper. With C103. For the best weekend sports coverage in Cork, it's got to be C103. I'll bring you updates on cross-channel soccer racing and anything else that happens in the world of sports. Rory Burke kicks off your weekend with a comprehensive Saturday sports preview from 11am. Mark Malone keeps the ball rolling with Cork Sports Saturday from 2. Then Cork Sports Sunday completes your weekend between 2 and 7pm. Callahan racing through from the out, going for a goal opportunity. He's got it! Every puck, every kick, every score, every weekend. Let me tell you what's happening sporting-wise this weekend here on C103. For sport in Cork, it's got to be C103. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia.
Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, many of our listeners, whenever there is a, a news item, a piece in the paper about cruelty to animals, we've got a lot of listeners in the area who get so, so upset and are real, genuine animal lovers. Well, it seems more stray horses were collected by Cork County Council by the end of September this year than for the whole of 2018. So there's another October, November, December, another three months of which the council will collect stray horses. So we can we can assume from that that we're going to have a record number of stray horses picked up here in Cork County. A total of 65 have been collected across the county by September the 30th, while 63 were collected for the entire year of 2019. Now, there has been a reduction, though, in the number of horses that had to be put down. So there's a little bit of good news in the midst of this bad news story. For Moy, you might be interested to hear, was the area that saw the most stray horses picked up, 17 Stray horses were collected from Formoy. West Cork, they collected 15. Kentark Mallow area, there was 14 stray horses. There was eight collected in Cove, seven in Bandon and Kinsale, four in the McCroom uh, area. While the council say at the Carrigaline and East Cork areas, there was no stray horses uh, picked up. Now, of the 17 picked up in Formoy, Eight of the poor creatures had to be put down at the pound, while four were put down from the Canturk Mallow area, three from the Bandicoon Sale, two from Cove um, and McCroom. None of the horses were, were euthanised in McCroom, but then there was only four horses picked up in McCroom. In total, 21 stray horses were put down up to September of this year, in contrast to 56 that had to be put down across the whole of the previous year. That's a result of more horse. It's a result of more horses being rehomed this year. Well done if you're one of those families that rehomed a stray horse. 35 horses were rehomed by rescues and charities, which is up on the previous year. And then four horses were given to sanctuaries, which was up on last year. And just five were reclaimed by their owners. Uh, by the way, none were reclaimed by their owners across 2018. But how do we tackle this problem of stray horses? And why? Anybody any got any explanation as to why we have so many stray horses? Now, it would be, I'd have to try and really dig into all of the different local authorities to do a comparison with other local authorities. I mean, I'm assuming this isn't an issue that... It's just Cork County Council has a problem with stray horses. I mean, you'll hear in the city they've got a problem. The city council will collect stray horses as well, as indeed do I take it every single local authority area uh, in the country. But how do we stop it And when these horses, I mean, particularly the ones that have to be put down. I mean, the reason that they have to be put down at the pound, obviously, is the condition that they've been found in. So there must be a huge level of cruelty attached to it. And yet we have all of these horses impounded and collect it and we're not seeing anyone being taken to court. They've got to be breaching some kind of, well certainly there's animal cruelty laws being being broken when you think of the ones that had to be put down but I mean just to have stray horses wandering around, surely there's laws governing that <coughs> as well but yet are they not being enforced? Why are we not seeing more people in uh, court? So if anybody has a solution to the problem of stray horses why do we have so many of them? What can be done about them? As I said the, the one clink of good light that I see was the number that were rehomed and obviously 
if they had been in bad condition, but good enough condition they could be rehomed. They've all gone on now to wonderful, either to charities or to very kind people, are gone off to sanctuaries where they live out their rest of their day. Thankfully, been well looked after so it's a bit of good news for some of those horses 1850 333 103 John Paul taking your calls you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 This Sunday evening we flip the switch Join C103 Cork as we turn on Cork's Christmas lights with Cork City Council. It's going to be the biggest ever switch-on party on Patrick Street with the Academy of Popular Music, Cork Deaf Choir, the C103 Street Fleet, Santa Claus and more. Join us for the switching on of Cork's Christmas lights this Sunday at 7.15pm with the Echo and C103. Every Friday, we're counting down to the weekend, the weekend. by turning up the Feel Good. C103's Feel Good Friday brings you six hours of Feel Good Greatest Hits. Join Nick Richards from 1 and Martina O'Donoghue from 4 as we get you weekend ready. Weekend ready. Turn, turn, turn. Turning up the feel good for Cork. For Cork. Every Friday from 1. Feel Good Friday, only on C103. Get weekly news, event updates and community information from across Cork with our regional reports on c103.ie. From Bantry to Buttevant to Hallow to Dunmanway and every area in between, we've got it covered. To listen, go to c103.ie and click Regional Reports or download the C103 app and click Podcasts. Regional Reports, only on C103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 86 Now, cardiologists are urging countries to consider banning vaping because new research suggests that e-cigarettes can damage the brain, the heart, blood vessels and the lungs. Dr Des Cox is chair with the Policy Group on Tobacco at the Royal College of Physicians of Ireland and uh, Des joins me. Good morning to you Des. Good morning. Um, You're welcome. Are e-cigarettes as addictive as a normal cigarette? So uh, the answer to the question is yes. Um, So they contain nicotine, uh, which is the addictive product, which is found in tobacco products as well. So um, when people switch over from uh, tobacco cigarettes to e-cigarettes, the overall thinking is that there is a harm reduction because it doesn't have any of the carcinogens or the uh, lethal products that are found in tobacco products. But e-cigarettes all contain nicotine. Uh, so So people who switch over to them, although they're not being exposed to other harmful substances they are being still being exposed to nicotine and they are still addicted to nicotine and this latest research that's come out this week is is from germany what's that telling us so uh, this is um uh, a recent study which a group of cardiologists from germany which studied uh, the blood vessels of otherwise uh, healthy smokers and uh, and also did some experimental research on mouse mouse models and they found that the uh, there was abnormalities detected in the blood vessels of a number of organs in uh, who were exposed to the vapor of e-cigarettes what they found was that the the byproducts of this uh, e-cigarette vapor uh, caused damage to the lining of the blood vessels of the heart, the lungs and the brain. Now, <clears throat> whether or not this is extrapolated to human studies over long term uh, yet is yet to be determined. But there are other studies out there corroborating 
this evidence. Um, so I suppose what what we're saying is that uh, we, we don't uh, believe that e-cigarettes are completely harmless. But at the moment, um, uh, yes, there is um, there is uh, an argument to be said that they are less harmful than tobacco. But yeah, because I think the general public, uh, Des, are getting mixed messages. I mean, the pub- yeah. public health in England are insisting e-cigarettes are 95% less harmful than smoking. Well, I would I would dispute that um, that 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 ninety five percent value. I don't think that's accurate. Uh, that was that was a, basically from a, a group of experts. Um, there was no actually scientific evidence behind that value, um, uh, and that was done a number of years ago. And since then, obviously, as you well know, the situation is clearly evolving. There's research coming out every day of the week mm. about new about e-cigarettes. So, so from from my perspective, I, I mean, the scientific evidence would suggest that there is some some harm uh, from e-cigarettes either short term or long term the, the, the degree of that harm I suppose is the unknown part here how harmful yeah. are they we, we really don't know the answer to that I mean I think that's the key I mean the danger yeah. is because it's relatively new yeah. that we don't know the long term implications exactly and from our perspective as physicians um, and, and doctors are having great difficulty and this is a big challenge for us as doctors is that we're trying to advise our patients best all, all we, we are saying at the moment is that certainly anyone who's on e-cigarettes they should not go back to smoking tobacco. That's mm. uh, that's absolutely, uh, you know, that's not a good idea. Um, but if you are considering giving up cigarettes, and we would, we would actually recommend that they that they use one of the more validated evidence based uh, treatments um, and speak to their GP or go on the Quiz. Dot a website uh, that to, to look at ways that are actually recommended and that there's a lot of evidence behind before quitting. And then the other thing that, uh, I mean, I'm a paediatrician, so the other thing I would strongly recommend is that all non-smokers, uh, who people who don't smoke at all, should not go near these devices, um, especially young people. There has been an upsurge in the uh, uptake of these devices in the U.S., particularly over the last year or two. We haven't really seen that here yet in Ireland, but, I mean, anecdotally, you know, parents are telling me that their teenagers are... Um, are 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 trying out these these e-cigarettes devices. So it's a problem which we don't want to emerge here, and we really need to be proactive about that. Yeah, I, I mean, I know the government are talking about banning it for the sale of e-cigarettes is to be banned under legislation uh, later this month. And I saw a piece in the paper today that the government may ban advertising of vaping products and e-cigarettes near schools and playgrounds. So that's all a step in the right direction. Yeah, we'd wholly support that, and we 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 called for the ban under eighteen um, earlier this year, and um, and anything that can uh, prevent the uh, you know uh, teenagers taking up these this habit is absolutely absolutely a good uh, an important step, and we would wholly support that. I mean, the other aspect, which probably is a is a is a bit of a. Um, the minefield is the flavouring, and the flavouring seems to attract young people to the market, and and certainly that's something the government I think need to be looking at as well in regard to whether or not we need to restrict the flavours that are available uh, in e-cigarette shops because we, what we don't want is not only do we we, we want to re- we want to restrict advertising and we want to ban the sale of it, but we I think we also need to restrict the flavourings that are available out there. Yeah, there's chewing gum flavours and and all different sort of fruity flavours, which which would lead you to believe that they are aimed at young people. 
Well, I, I mean, I have no doubt that the the, the e-cigarette companies, uh, you know, have have a marketing strategy towards getting young people to take take up these devices. Now they would refute that, but uh, I have no doubt that uh, on a worldwide scale that that is that has been happening. If you go on their websites, it's not um, sixty-year-old uh, ex-smokers that you see on the website. It's young, um, you know, may, you know, sleek looking, mm. uh, good-looking, uh, uh, you know, twenty-somethings. Yeah, who are, um, it's you know, it's, um, but I mean, for me, the flavoring aspect. If you if you take away the flavors, it's not going to take away from the ex-smokers who want to continue to vape. I mean, they can vape, uh, you know, tobacco flavored or or mint flavor ones, or you know. So the, you know, we're, we're not, for me, I I mean, if you're going to ban anything, we need to ban tobacco. But I mean, that's never going to happen. So um, <laughs> good luck. Good luck with that. Exactly. Um, exactly. And, and for people, Jess, who say that you know, these e-cigarettes have helped them quit smoking. I mean, do, yeah. you, do, do, do you do see some benefits yeah, from Yeah, no, them? no. And, and there, ha- there has been some research. That's kind of why, I mean, for me, I would say that uh, it's not, it's, it's, you know, we shouldn't be absolutely banning these outright. I mean, if people, but, but uh, you know, in that they are helping some people get off cigarettes. Now, to what degree, I don't know. My, my concern is that the people who are using these devices, they chronically use them. So they are still addicted to nicotine, as you said, at the outset. Set. So, so they are always at risk of relapsing. So, if they could use these cigarettes for a short term and then get off them altogether, that's the kind of uh, the, the optimal the, goal. The but, but that that's not actually happening in practice. But I mean, uh, yeah, absolutely, we would like. Um, you know, we we want to we want to people to get off tobacco, and and we we want to see is there a way that we could do that in a safe manner, and and that's the difficulty with physicians is that how can we recommend something that may be harmful to them mm. when there's other nicotine replacement device uh, replacement therapies out there which are not harmful, um at all, and there are medications out there that can help people quit smoking which are not harmful at all, and yet there is this uh, e-cigarette, uh, you know, uh, e-cigarette. Um, movement that that says that it is is less harmful but i mean I, that's not i i i you know, i wouldn't say we're there yet with that evidence okay yeah. and there we know there has been cases particularly of teenagers uh, ending up on life support machines not in, in this country but i know in the united kingdom and uh, in america some have died and they're linking that directly to vaping yes yeah, so that is um probably a slightly separate issue um the the evidence earlier this week seems to point to a vitamin E acetate uh, product that was put into illicit vaping products over in the ah. States. So, it, uh, I, I can, well, I mean, I can't, we can't be sure about this, but, and, and there's still the investigation, but it seems that uh, so it's it's basically the THC, the ingredient in cannabis, uh, so the people were uh, obtaining these on the, on, the, on the black market, and that, that these devices were Including in in the in the, in the e liquid was this vitamin E acetate, and that somehow uh, well I, again I don't understand the exact chemistry, but a byproduct of of vaporizing that 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 um that compound caused a toxic reaction, and, and that may explain why these people got so sick and some of them died. Wow. So I mean, all in that regard, all we can give advice is that if you are using e cigarettes, do not buy them on the black market and do not use illicit um, devices out there. You know. The, the 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 ones that are regulated by by the EU are the ones that we would say if you're going to use any use any. But, but there there is another question is that maybe we're just not seeing this because 
um, it, it's just not uh, we don't have a really good reporting system for picking up such um, uh, outbreaks but I mean again I suppose I, I wouldn't necessarily uh, cause uh, like to cause panic across the, mm. the state of Ireland because I, we haven't seen that really yet okay. and, and we really do need to see what the evidence is of that but that's where it's pointed to at the moment Alright listen thank you for that uh, Des we'll let you get back to your job thanks a million for taking time out to talk to us Okay so. thank you Good morning uh, Take care Bye bye uh, That is Dr Des Cox who is chair of the policy group of tobacco at the Royal College of Physicians of Ireland and he uh, works in paediatric respiratory he's a consultant in paediatric respiratory uh, medicine so we appreciate busy man uh, taking time out uh, to join us uh, 1850-333-103 uh, John Paul taking your calls you can uh, text our WhatsApp to 086 2103103 and Pat by text says and unfortunately Pat your text just came in saying uh, Patricia I would like to see all exo- exhaust fumes got rid of I wonder what your guest would make of that well I suppose Des is well I suppose as a working in respiratory medicine he probably would have had a theory but I mean he's, he's he was joining us as he's with the policy group on, on tobacco um, but exhaust fumes, yeah, we know. I mean, we only did an interview, was it last week, the week before, about exhaust fumes, particularly around schools with parents allowing their cars to run, you know, at drop off and collection time. And because children are smaller in height and they're closer to the ground, so they're closer to the exhaust pipe, uh, there's a huge risk of our children's health being damaged at the school gates, which seems absolutely ludicrous that you could be bringing your child to a place where you want to get them educated and they could end up becoming unwell because they're standing outside the school gates when they need to get in or they need to get out. And that was as a direct result of exhaust fumes. We know we've been talking about climate change. We are going to talk about climate change a little bit later on on the programme again today and anything we can do to help with climate change. And one of the things we can do to help with climate change is to lower emissions from our cars particularly dirty fuel that they talk about if we could all go electric we wouldn't have any of these exhaust uh, fumes but I don't know I know it's a plan of the government that we will have a million electric cars on the road is it by 2030 not that far away can't see that happening but that certainly would get rid of the exhaust fumes that you speak about uh, Pat but sorry your text just came in a little bit too late for me to get it to our expert Dr Des uh, Cox 1850 uh, and the government are trying to ban Somebody saying, I thought there was a ban coming in on e-cigarettes. There is a ban coming in and there is also, the government are also talking about banning adverts of vaping products and e-cigarettes anywhere near schools and playgrounds. They say they are being cynically marketed to target young people and to get them addicted to uh, nicotine. So they're hoping, similar to what they're doing with banning any adverts for alcohol near schools or playgrounds. They're hoping now to do the same thing with vaping products and e-cigarettes. And if you look around, there are a number of young people you will see for anywhere near a school life to pass a school coming to and from work. And I've noticed there are a number of young people 
with their vaping pens or with their e-cigarettes. But likewise, I've also noticed the number of young people that are smoking real cigarettes. And I always want to. And I started smoking. I was a smoker for many, many years. And unfortunately, I started smoking in my school days, probably 15, 16, that sort of age. And I, I always when I see the young people in their school uniforms, you know, going around the corner so that the teachers can't see them having a quick cigarette. I want to jump out of the car and say, please stop. You have no idea what you're doing to yourself. You've no idea what this addiction is like. And if somebody could have waved a magic wand at me when I started smoking at 16, it was one of my greatest regrets that I ever took up smoking because by God, once you're addicted, it is a really, really hard habit to kick. And that's why I'm particularly interested in all this research that's coming out on the vaping because that's how I kicked the habit and I had tried everything else over the years. I had tried, you know, the hypnotherapy I tried the nicotine patches, I tried inhalers, I tried it all. (laughs) Nothing worked for me. But the vaping did, I have to say, to the point that when I was vaping completely off the cigarettes for about a six month period or thereabouts. And in my head, I thought I was still a smoker and I was in a situation where I didn't have an e-cigarette and I just took a drag from a cigarette and I physically got sick and I thought, Happy days. I'll never be able to cut back on these things again because it now actually makes me physically sick. So that was a certainly good news story for me. So that's one of the pluses to vaping. But I suppose the whole idea, what the experts would say is with the e-cigarettes is you use them to get off the cigarettes and then you get off the vaping. But anyone who is vaping or anyone who's on e-cigarettes will tell you they are as addictive as the cigarettes, but just not as harmful. But nobody knows. We would need a lot more research done to find out just how harmful they are. John said, this is on trying to give up cigarettes. I tried to give up cigarettes. I went to my doctor and he gave me a thing called a Zyban tablet form. Uh, You take it and you will not smoke when you're on these uh, tablets. And it obviously worked for John. He gave up the cigarettes, but he said, be wary of them. There are serious side effects for taking that particular type of uh, tablet but you can go to the doctor there are tablets available is John's point that helps you kick the habit Okay, we need to take a break we have news at 11 on the way Uh, coming up after 11 we'll be finding out why play schools have been forced to close in West Cork there's still a problem uh, with people accessing home help uh, hours that's all coming up The C103 Cork Diary is a free service to help non-profit organisations all over Cork so if you're a community group or a charity that's holding a fundraising event or meeting send us the details at least one week in advance and we'll tell Cork all about it email info at c103.ie The Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses Supporting communities Serving Cork Visit corkcoco.ie C103 You're listening to Cork Today on replay Phone and text lines are currently closed some of your calls coming into the programme on e-cigarettes that we discussed in the last hour, Michael and Mallow. Uh, I remember he said this is about 25 years ago. He was working in Whitegate and they were explaining to the workers there that the most carcinogenic part of the petrol is actually the fumes from the petrol. So Michael's query today is how come every petrol pump in Ireland have removed the pins in the petrol pumps. So you end up standing in the middle of all the fumes while filling up your car. You can't stand back from the car. He said, I don't get it. Every other country that you go to, you click it and then so that the nozzle, there's this clip on the nozzle of the petrol pump so then you can 
put it into to fill up your car and then you step back so you're not getting any of the fumes and you just watch your car being filled up. You're not left holding the nozzle. And for some reason here in Ireland, we removed those pins from the petrol pump. So you now have to stand and hold the nozzle in order to fill it up. Martin can't understand why that was ever done. Now he said he knows you'll get some people saying, actually you could stand uh, you know, the opposite direction to where the wind is blowing and you won't have any of the fumes. But he said that's not the answer. The answer is what they do in other countries. There's fumes there's fumes coming from the petrol. I, I always thought when we were talking about the carcinogenic nature of petrol fumes that it was the fumes from the exhaust. But Martin, you were saying when you worked in Whitegate, it's actually being around petrol, the petrol emits fumes. I was unaware of that. 1850 Now, can I go back to the issue that I mentioned earlier when I was talking about the piece that I saw on Facebook yesterday from a social worker? Now, it is a social worker in the States because the person is talking about buying toys that were hundreds of dollars so it's, it's a social worker from the States but I just think it's relevant to social workers in, in this country and it basically is to do with the lucky parents who can afford very expensive gifts that Santa Claus can bring very expensive gifts to some households versus the families where there's not as much money and those children the Santa age kids will not be getting as many presents are as expensive presents as, say, the child next door or the child they're sitting beside in the classroom. And this social worker was saying that for two years in a row now, it's breaking her heart to watch parents crying, telling her that their child has asked after Christmas if they weren't good enough or if Santa didn't like them as much because they weren't getting as expensive toys. So this social worker was saying, if you have children that are Santa age, can you explain that it's mammies and daddies who pay for the bigger toys and that Santa brings the smaller ones and they're the ones that you get from Santa Claus so that all children will feel very much the same which I think is it's a, it's a, it's a good it's a good theory and I'm wondering has that been an issue in some households and have families actually done that? Have they actually explained to children that not every child is in the lucky position that you're in and that you are, you know, we're very blessed that you are able to get all these lovely toys but bear in mind, you know, that not everyone in your class or in your circle of friends will be getting the same amount of presents. Neve on Twitter at C103 Cork says, Patricia, we used to tell our children that the toys like the Nintendos and the Playstations and the Wii, the very expensive toys, we explained to them that we had to pay for them, that every family paid different amounts. You paid what you could afford. We left the money out for Santa Claus as there they were some toys that were simply not wor- not made in the workshop but it was made clear to the children that they were lucky because Mammy and Daddy had the money to be able to pass it on to Santa Claus. And then we got this wonderful email in and this made me smile to say good morning uh, Patricia. And many years ago baby dolls were the Christmas toy of the year and probably one of those you know those newborn baby dolls they are almost they almost look like a real newborn baby. Anyway this listener says they cost an absolute fortune at the time. And it wasn't just the baby doll you had to buy. You had to buy the clothes and all the other bits and pieces that went with the doll. Now, not to go into too much detail, there was no way on earth that I could have afforded one of these baby dolls. I had two other older children as well that had to be catered for on Christmas morning. Anyway, I saw this beautiful smaller doll that I could afford and I got to thinking, hmm, would it be a good substitute here? Now, I spoke to my daughter who had requested this particular baby doll from Santa Claus, but she was having none of it. Santa was delivering the doll and that was it. Lo and behold, about a week later, 
a letter arrived to the house from Santa Claus. He explained that a lot of children had been looking for the baby doll that my daughter had requested. But he wrote to explain he had a lovely smaller doll that nobody wanted. And as he knew she was a very special little girl, he was picking her to look after this doll. Well, Patricia, how magical was that? The doll arrived on Christmas morning along with hand-knitted clothes and blankets. And believe me, she was the best-loved doll ever. Isn't that gorgeous? Fantastic. Well done, Mammy, as well. What a great imagination. And I can imagine the excitement of a little girl being picked out by Santa Claus because she had a big heart and she was a special little girl and she was being selected for the doll that nobody else wanted. That's just a gorgeous story. Thank you for that email to Patricia at c103.ie. And let me stay on the doll theme, please, for a moment. And Barbie dolls. And should we all grow up with Barbie dolls? Barbie dolls, I was surprised, actually made their debut in uh, 1959 and they are still going strong. So all of us grew up with a Barbie doll, even though Barbie dolls in our house had a tendency to get passed on. I don't know if that still happens today or not. But a more inclusive range of Barbie dolls would be waiting under the Christmas tree for some very special little uh, girls and boys, I suppose, this year, including one doll in a wheelchair and another doll that comes with a prosthetic leg. The manufacturers of Barbie are, of course, Mattel. Now, when I was heard about this, I was saying they, they had a wheelchair Barbie before because I remember discussing it on the programme and I remember talking with a friend of mine who is a wheelchair user who said as a child she would have loved the idea of a Barbie doll in a wheelchair and she thought it was a terrific idea. So I was thinking Barbie has done this before but it seems and they did, they did, they brought a wheelchair Barbie out but it was actually back in 1997. It was that far back. But there was a huge amount of criticism from disability rights campaigners because it turned out the wheelchair that the Barbie came in in 1997 didn't fit through the doors of Barbie's dream house. And so, of course, the little girls in their own wheelchairs, getting the Barbie in the wheelchair, might have already had Barbie's dream house. I may have got Barbie's dream house for Christmas as well to discover I can't get the wheelchair in. So that was a kind of a stupid mistake on behalf of Mattel. So... The newer model that comes out this year comes with a pink wheelchair ramp and it makes it compatible with all of the Barbie buildings that are on sale. Now, one disability group in uh, England is quoted as saying it's wonderful to see one of the world's most iconic toys embracing disability. Disabled children should have the opportunity to play with toys that represent them and their lives. Uh, Change requires action at all levels and everyone can play their part and they're now hoping the more toy manufacturers will follow suit. And of course, the move on behalf of Mattel, who make Barbie, follows years and years of criticism about Barbie dolls. They've been accused of helping to create a very false impression of what the ideal female body should look like. I mean, if you look at a standard Barbie doll, she's got the wonderful tiny waist and she's the beautiful long legs and she's oh so slim. So in order to reflect, reflect a world more in tune with gender fluidity and diversity, <laughs> the brand have launched a gender inclusive doll. Uh, they brought it out in September. It has no obvious curves and it is less pink clothing. OK, and then in 2016, of course, and we've, we have we certainly mentioned this before in the programme, the, the Mattel Barbie line offered three new body types. There was the tall, 
which is kind of the standard one. Then there was a curvy one. She had a little bit of shape to her. And then there was a petite one because some people are petite as well. And then there was, of course, a huge wider choice of skin tones as well because Barbie traditionally was always white and now you can get it in all different skin tones. But well done on the inclusive range with the wheelchair one that fits into the house, which is all important, but also the one with the prosthetic leg. And I think that will... uh, make it very exciting for some very special children this Christmas to have a doll that reflects very much their lives. So well done to Mattel and let's see, will other toy manufacturers follow suit? 1850 333 103. Our lines are open. C103 Jobs. With Hewitt College, now enrolling for Christmas Junior and Leaving Certificate Revision courses. Your success is built on their experience. See hewittcollege.ie An experienced hotel accountant is wanted. That's for the Clonakilty Park Hotel while a phone linesman is wanted to work on an aircon plant in the Cork area. You need to be over 25 and able to work on your own initiative. Full and part-time sales assistant are wanted. That's to work at the Vodafone shop in Clonakilty. And part-time household staff is wanted at Maria Goretti Nursing Home. That is in Kilmallock. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. According to Deputy Michael Collins, two play schools in West Cork have been forced to close due to new regulations. The closures were raised at the Dáil last week with the Tánishta Simon Coveney by Deputy Michael Collins, uh, who now joins me. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. Um, and you're welcome to the programme. OK, where are these play schools and what work would they need to do to bring them up to the standards of these new regulations? Well, the two play schools are, are in West Cork. Um, in particular, the, the one I, I speak about is, is the Castletown Bear um, uh, play school. Uh, they will have to do, uh, com- I suppose, they have to be a commercial building, they've been told. They have to be wheelchair accessible. They have to be fireproof, uh, which is a fireproofing in the building. Now, a lot of these things, um, uh, these play school, private play, play school owners want to, uh, comply with, but the rules are uh, being implied very, very quickly. They're giving them little chance to put things right. They're giving them no, absolutely no grant aid to put them right. And you know, I felt it was incumbent on me to try and rep- make representations on those people's behalf uh, in the best way I could, and that's what I did uh, with questions to the Tanister last week. It's you know, I mean, these people are catering for quite a large amount of children. One of them is has been operating over 25 years. The second has been serving the people of the Bear Peninsula for 13 years, um, with up to maybe in in some cases up to 30 children uh, from from a very young age to five years of age. And, and they've know, been operating very successfully over all of those years. And they haven't. Very, and they've been complying with all the fire regulations today. So it isn't that they haven't been uh, running illegally of any sort. They've been doing everything, ticking every box as such, but the regulations now have become much, much stricter. And sometimes regulations do need to be improved, and I, they, they respect that and accept that. But to go from one extreme to another extreme puts them uh, majorly, it's going to put them majorly out of pocket in one situation. They could have to spend up to 50000 uh, to bring the building up to standard. And it could lead, unfortunately, to their closure, uh, which the rules, if they're to be complied with, uh, have to be in place by next week. And I'm asking the Minister, for, first of all, I asked the Tarnished, and in fairness, he was favourable, at least 
pleased to look at both cases. There could be other cases out there also uh, to see can he do something going forward. Um, I'm asking, first of all, I, I asked the question, which I continuously ask, or just promised in the programme for government, that rule proofing uh, would be in place in relation to all government policies. Obviously, there was no rule proofing here. Uh, Minister Sapone uh, had decided that there was a regulation to be applied and she applied it strictly and is not giving or taking in this issue. I've been in contact with Minister Zippon and tried to make contact with her, I should say, uh, over the last number of weeks. She's failed to reply other than acknowledging our our, our uh, representations. I now have turned to the Tarnister because he did say to send the two cases to him to see what he could do and what, we're not asking, and he acknowledged that, we're not asking that any rules and regulations uh, won't be applied to in time but give us give those play schools a little bit more time and even consider uh, a, a grantee so that they can bring these um, buildings up to standard. Because the closure of a rural play school or creche has a much bigger impact, doesn't it, than the closure in an urban area? It does because, you see, in, 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 in most of these places, obviously all these places, there's just one preschool play school basically serving that community. So, and I don't think that the Minister Zappone understands the, 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 these situations that, uh, you know, exist there. She probably is thinking along the lines of a play school in Dublin where there's uh, numerous uh, buildings and numerous up, up, up to standard buildings and lots of kids uh, attending and where there's a good, maybe, financial uh, returned for that. In this situation, the numbers are much smaller. Absolutely, been, absolutely. You know, and, been, and the thing is, if a Dublin creche in the morning decided to close down, well, it would be inconvenient to the parents. they just find another creche up the road, down the road or around the corner. You're in rural Ireland and a small creche closes, as you say, there's nowhere else for you to go except maybe move into the next town or the next village. And in lots of yeah, in situations that that next village could be many miles away. Yeah, there isn't yeah. very good public transport. It's a, look, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a very difficult situation. It's a, it, there's also a situation here where there's a good lot of people employed here, and and obviously the play school owners don't want to uh, you know worry people, upset people, but unfortunately are facing closure. Uh, if Minister Sapone won't step back slightly and give them the chance, maybe until maybe September 2020, when at least they have the time to make these to bring these buildings up to standard or maybe in some situation change the building that they're in and move into a new building. It's, it's very difficult to do that mid-season uh, when children are attending these uh, preschools and, you know, they've been, I, I think they've been very, dealt a very, very cruel law. Uh, we're asking, we're not asking for regulations to be uh, stripped down. Yeah, we want, to keep, our, we want to keep our children safe. I mean, that's, we the, do, that's, and I that's want the whole it, thing. I want but how much notice were the creche owners given? Well, the, the, from what I gathered, I've been only notified in the last number of weeks, so my belief is that their notification was very short. It hasn't given them enough time to, to I suppose, to comply with the rules. Uh, they're going to have to look at, you know, either two, they have two options, move move building or, or, or close. Uh, in, the, in the situation in Castletown, I'm worried that it is going to lead to closure um, because it's, and, and it's going to lead to maybe uh, four jobs lost in that community plus the service that the play school was, was providing. So there's a very big worry there. I, 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 are you gonna, I suppose the question is, do I hold out any hope? My hope is that Captain, uh, Minister Sapone will at least uh, talk to the, the, the public representatives first if she, if she wants to, and at least on the, give it, where we can put a clear understanding as to the situation these play schools are facing and that she might step back and say, OK, I'll give them that little link, bit of time to try and put the, this, this matter right. And that's where we're at at the moment. Have you had reaction from any of the families who are going to be affected by this? 
I have. I've been contacted uh, by um, families that are being um, in both both the Castleton Bear and the other one east along uh, further in the constituency um, about this. They they feel it's very unfair because they they, they love the, their children uh, and his parents that have had children that went to these places schools as well have been in contact with me. They have don't have children to go there anymore. They felt they were secure. They felt they were safe. They didn't see where all the problems were. They but like I I have no problem with rules and regulations applying because it makes things much safer but I'm all there and they're in the same understanding as surely because these people will be given the time to do that and it's not as I say in most cases in, in the bigger cities this is not an issue because they're state of the art buildings but in this situation they, while the buildings are, have complied with in all the regulations to date there is issues now uh, with this new regulations that they need time to comply and these, the, the time is running out the clock is ticking and the minister isn't stepping back from this issue and if she don't it will lead to closures and that's, that's where shocking I, that's shocking where we, so are you waiting on the th- should come back to you or I most certainly am because I mean uh, when Minister Zappone was acknowledging our, our correspondence but not uh, coming back in any great detail we've all gone back to her again uh, uh, in last night uh, we al- already have sent uh, the, the full details of, of both play schools to the Tarnishna I was must uh, I was assumed that there's other play schools out there um, I'm awaiting his reply but in fairness I, I accept that he only knows it a number of days whereas uh, Minister Zappone knew it for quite some time and has been slow to act on this you know it's very easy to put in rules and regulations but the whole thing comes back to Patricia and I said this and you probably wore from hearing me say this where is the rule proving they mm. promised us rule proving and it never happened they they, they led us up uh, and they, 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 they taught us an untruth they would rule proof our government policies. If you rule proof that you'd you'd straight away any rural minister that would have seen this coming in and said, "There's a problem here. We got to look at this and 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 make sure that these play schools continue, but that they will come up to regulations. But we have to put in grant aid and give them a little bit of extra time to to to, to comply with the rules. And that's where we're at at the moment. Okay. Hopefully, common sense uh, will prevail. Talking of common sense, uh, Michael, we've often spoken with you before on the program about uh, home helps and home help available. Uh, any move and common sense prevailing and are you seeing any situation getting better there for families waiting? No, unfortunately, it, it, it's, it's become uh, far worse. 7,300 hours being required by families um, in this country. Many of them are obviously in West Cork because we have a high population of elderly in West Cork. I'm very disappointed because we, we're continuously being told, even last week by the Tarnish and by the Minister for Health inside in the Dáil, that there isn't an embargo. But why is it, and why aren't we being told the truth? The bottom line is people are not getting home milk that require the service. And they can't say that there's not an embargo. They're saying that the new hours, the mill of new hours, which will only, I think, cater for a quarter of what's needed, but at least it's a move in the right direction. Uh, that won't be open until 20, January 2020. People have been looking for home help all this year. I've spoken inside in the doll, as I said, numerous occasions in this. It was my first leader's question when I was elected in 2016. I see the good work the people of the home help in Ireland carry out. They're looking for extra hours. They won't be given them. The people, the elderly people who required it at home, won't be given. I gave one case, uh, sorry, two cases in the doll last week to the Tarnished in leader's questions. One man is in Bantry General Hospital. He's in a wheelchair. He's been in there since June, since the 1st of September. He's been fit to discharge. He's been told he has to have home help in place. 
there is no home help available. He's lying there day in, day out. This is not good for his mental or physical well-being. Uh, and he's holding up in the cute bed also that he wants and he wants to go home. He's risking infection. And he's, it, this has been ongoing, ongoing. Now, I will say one thing, that while I was speaking, Minister Harris was to the right of, of, of the tarnished and he was t- writing, and the following morning, uh, that gentleman in Bantry Hospital was told that he'd have home help the next day. So, uh, I mean, but it, it, that's just a very... But it's, it sh- yeah, it shouldn't have to take you no. standing up in the door highlighting individual cases. I know when we were looking at figures last week when they'd been like almost, almost breaking records, the number of people that were on trolleys one of the days last week, I think it was the second highest figure it had ever reached and it was up in the 500 and say 550-odd people on trolleys. And at the same time, there was over 600 people in an acute bed with a delayed discharge. And I just remember thinking the the figures almost corresponded. There was as many people waiting on trolleys. There was just slightly more on delayed discharges. If we could have had all the delayed discharges gone home, those people on the trolleys, we wouldn't have been talking about trolley figures. That's the problem we have. Uh, I, I, the whole health system, and I did speak about that in leaders' questions. That is 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 completely broken down. We have to look at, uh, as you said, the waiting list. They're completely out of out of control. There's lots of people in in beds. I get calls every day of the week from several people pleading with me to try and get their 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 loved one home, uh, trying to get them into maybe a respite situation where they can spend some uh, chance to recuperate further before they go home. They can't get that respite bed. They can't get the home help. We have a serious crisis. You know, you have people going blind who have cataract operations, hips and knees, people suffering. You have SOTOC, uh, Patricia, that's uh, on the verge of collapse. It has collapsed in Castletown Bear. Uh, it's, it's on the verge of collapse in West Cork, and people are, are, are very unaware of that. And, and I want to make them aware of that because we need to, we, we, we basically have a health crisis in this country, but certainly we're not addressing the, the, the home health situation. We've, we've decided because, and I'm, I'm convinced 100% it's because of the overspend on the children's hospital that the people are suffering on the ground throughout this country and the Minister for Minister for, for Responsibility for all the people uh, Deputy Daly uh, addressing a home and community care Ireland conference last Tuesday said that he, he said he was embarrassed and he was apologising uh, to people on a daily basis for people who didn't get the home help there was no last May when I raised these questions with him in the doll he was giving me the impression there was no embarrassment that there was not an issue there is a very, very serious issue. And it's very unfair for them to say that. And it contradicts the principles of the slant care where focus on shifting care from acute sector to the community. It, you know, it contradicts everything this government has been saying for years about supporting community-based care and helping people remain in their homes. It's the most simplistic and the cheapest and the most uh, honest way possible to deal with this crisis is to allow people like the home health workers who want to do extra hours, hours who are available to do extra hours, to carry out their function and carry out their function properly. And that's, that's failing. And, and we're failing and, and the people Shlant, in this case. And to care is going to fall at the first hurdle if we don't get enough GPs to move into rural area. I know you've mentioned South Dock, but we also have a problem with uh, GPs and trying to get GPs, you know, young GPs don't want to come and live and work in rural Ireland. We need to incentivise them to come. We haven't been able to, you know, put an, an attractive package before these people. And I, there's no doubt about it that any of those doctors, if that was put before them, they would, and they'd see the beauty of West Cork and the facilities that are there, and they are in each town and in each village. And fabulous uh, place to raise families if it's young families. Yeah. They would yeah. love it. But the, the conditions aren't... Uh, but we need, we need to incentivise them. I was reading a piece from the States where they were talking about 
the hospitals in the in, the, in middle America, which wouldn't be as you know sexy as working in the New York and the Las Vegas and the San Francisco's. So they have to incentivize doctors to go to those hospitals. They pay them double. They actually pay them double to let them go in there and do a few years or whatever it is. Some decide to stay, some don't, but they incentivize them. We are going to have to start incentivizing GPs in particular, or we are not going to have GPs in rural areas. Absolutely. You know, I mean, we, this is something that has been going on for quite some time. There's a colleague of mine here, Dr. Michael Harty, who was elected basically on that same principles in, 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 in County Clare. And I mean, you know, we, 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 we are losing doctors um, in, 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 in true retirement or whatever uh, in the last number of years, and they aren't being replaced. And it's a big worry going forward in rural communities. And that's why the, the, we have the situation with South Africa that is facing collapse. It has collapsed in Castletonbear, which is a very, very serious worry for the people of Castletonbear and surrounds. And it's also facing collapse from what I gather, and I'm pretty sure my sources are, are very close to the ground on there, that it's on the verge of collapse in the, uh, the whole South Africa. And this is something that I don't think the government have factored in uh, going forward. And uh, I, I just don't know. As I said, we have a health crisis out there. Um, and I think that it's been overshadowed by different things that are going on there, but I think it's one of the biggest uh, crises that's in this country, that's in housing in this country, uh, and that hasn't been tackled down through the years. And as I said, the overspin on the children's hospital, there was nobody made accountable for that, and it's costing people lives throughout this country. I have no doubt in my mind it's costing people their lives in this country because okay. of it, because they've been suffering right, on the ground. And, and just back to the play school issue, uh, Heidi says, good morning, Patricia and Deputy Michael Collins. Um, I ask, do these people who bring in these rules and regulations about the buildings for the new... Uh, uh, crashes. Do they ever come down and see what it's like to live in rural areas? And is that part of the problem that they're all Dublin-based? All of these people who make these decisions. It's a good point, well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is a good point. And I mean, as I said with the minister, I, I'm pretty sure that our officials and ourselves made this based on, on looking at bigger play schools without looking at the rural yeah. play schools where yeah. they're and they're very different. You, you and can't know they're quite safe, and you can't and compare like with like. No okay, be- before I let you go, I have to ask you, what, what are your views on fellow independent Noel Grealish and his comments on, on the Nigerians and him saying that they're sending disproportionate amounts of money uh, to their home, which, by the way, the fund, the, the amount of money he mentioned has been uh, disputed. What did you make yes. of that? Well, I, first of all, I wasn't aware he was going to raise that question. Uh, of course, everybody's entitled to raise the question on, on, uh, when they get their leaders' questions. I get one every five or six weeks. I used that myself on the home health crisis in this country last week. Uh, Deputy Greenish decided to use it on, on, on poor finances. Now, I will say one thing, that we in, uh, we scrutinise all expenditure in the state at, at great length in the doll, and we have every right to be with children's hospitals and broadmen or whatever, and, and, and have let's, which lets many questions over it. I don't have any issue with Deputy Greenish raising a question of where monies go from this from this country or monies that is made in this country, where it's going to other countries. Maybe you shouldn't identify one specific uh, country. Uh, if, if it was me, I wouldn't have done that. And definitely questions uh, need to be answered in relation to where he got the figures. Um, I am, uh, he, he's claiming that he, he got the figures uh, from uh, the central bank, I think. The states are stating uh, differently now that the figures are different. And I think he needs to clarify that going forward. It's it's a tiny subject. I, 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 I done a television interview last night and I feel that no matter what you say today, you're deemed a racist. Uh, if you have a slightly different view and maybe a commonsensical view on these issues, you're racist. I don't believe... I've been called racist myself. I don't believe I am. I've worked with foreign nationals. Uh, we worked hand in hand. I was best man at a foreign nationals wedding. It doesn't worry me what nationality they come before me every week. I never ask them where they come from. I ask them how we can help. But certainly if questions need to be raised, we should be allowed to raise them, but not to identify but do, but do you accept? Country. Do you accept that a lot of non-nationals working in this country 
are sending money home every week. A little bit like, let's be honest... There's many a family in this country uh, had food on the table because of the dollars arrived or the pound sterling arrived from England. I mean, that's always what immigrants have done. And they did because the people that went to America and went to England uh, from this country worked and worked hard and broke their back and, 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 and were treated maybe very poorly in some circumstances. But look, but that, non- that non- are coming, hang on, non-nationals are coming to this country, Michael, and are working really, really and hard. They're working, yeah, and, and they're so, sending and money nine, back to put food on the table most, at home. And in most cases, they genuinely are sending back yeah. uh, to, to help their families or whatever, and I don't have an issue with that. But And that's why I said it shouldn't have been specific to one country. It just should have been a, a generalised question to know where, like as I said, we scrutinise the finances in this country to, with a fine comb, and we're right to do that. And all and the finances that go abroad should be scrutinised with a comb as well to make sure that they're going to the right places and they're not going to any anything other than the people who need it abroad. And I, I think maybe that was the gist of the question. I think by name a country, it kind of, it, 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 I think it identified one country. I wouldn't have done that if it was myself. I can't defend Noel Greedish to a point. He's, a, he's an able-bodied politician. They were saying last night that, oh, he's looking for, to see, can he get votes? I think he's a very popular politician without any of this uh, attention. So I, I, you know, genuinely has to answer questions as to where he picked up the financial. Uh, well, according according to the figures I got from the Central Statistics Office show that the amount of money going to Nigeria is actually way less than going to other countries. I think it's about 17 million, which might sound like a lot of money. But uh, if you look at other countries, Poland, 342 million is sent to Poland, Lithuania, 92 million and India, 43 million, much higher than goes to Nigeria. But it is backing up that that you have people who are living and working in this country and working very hard and in many cases they're supporting families back home and there's nothing wrong in that. In, in most 99.9% of cases there ain't but it's no harm to scrutinise everything. I mean as I said if we're, if we're, if we're well able to scrutinise the finances of the state we should be able to find uh, scrutinise is, is, is the money's leaving the state going to the to proper sources if it's to help families that are hungry abroad that's, I have no issue with that whatsoever. Yeah and, and where and the money and where the money is coming from is important as well that it isn't. And where yeah. the money is coming from and yeah. if that's found out to be okay I have no issue with that but it's no harm in questioning that I wouldn't be specific on naming any one individual country yeah. I would be generalising it and that's where maybe the mistake was made and if the figures are wrong he needs to clarify that I don't want to be the one to answer for him okay. um, I was sitting beside him when he raised the question but that doesn't mean anything other than he's entitled to raise his question and it has led to a, a lot of controversy but I will say one thing Patricia that the word racism has been pegged around too too freely um, and, and not in this issue but on several other issues recently Yeah you and can't open your mouth and you're accused of being you're racist You're racist now straight yeah. away no matter what you do like so you know and people are entitled to a slightly different viewpoint it doesn't have to be that harsh but they are entitled to a slightly different viewpoint as such in, in, in some of these cases yeah, and yeah. people should be listened to and there was a, a good debate on direct provision inside your last night and it was a respectful debate nobody good. was picking any 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 doctor such like Good Okay alright and I can see a number of texts coming in saying well done to uh, Michael Collins as always fighting for the good people of West Cork keep up the fight Okay we'll thank leave you. it there Michael thank you for that and uh, right. thanks uh, for joining us on the programme that is Independent Dole Deputy for West Cork Michael Collins Hi, Nick Richards here from C103's Afternoon Show. Santa's on his way and he wants to talk to court kids. Ho, ho, ho! 
<laughs> I just can't wait to talk to you all on Cork's Greatest Hits, C103. The countdown to the big day is on, so don't miss your chance to talk to the big man himself. It's so easy. Simply go to c103.ie and fill out the special entry form for your chance to get a Christmas call from Santa. With World of Wonder, Blackpool and Mallow. For toys that spark imagination and joy. Worldofwonder.ie Get ready for Santa's Christmas calls. I could be talking to you with Nick Richards in the afternoon only on C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. We're off to Femoy Garda Station for this week's Garda Fire where we're joined by Sergeant John Kelly. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, Patricia. And Thank you're you. very welcome. Thank we start with a burglary which was at the uh, phone shop in Mitchellstown. Yeah, yes, Patricia. And I suppose just to get t- things in context, um, we ha- luckily enough, we haven't had a burglary in the, for the last five days, um, which I suppose, considering how large a division we are, going from Yall on one side to the Limerick border, up there in Kilbehenny, down to the Kerry border there in, in Rock Chapel, um, you know, is, is good going. Now, we won't tempify it, but um, I suppose just to mention one that we did have recently, which was on Tuesday morning, the 5th of November at uh, a phone shop there in Mitchellstown. Now, the alarm went off there at 1.30 uh, in the morning. Um, the patrol car was on the scene there within a few minutes. They met a red golf there on Baldwin Street getting away from the premises, a red VW golf headed out the Mallow Road. Um, we don't know where it went after that because it, it was, was dangerous to try and keep up with it. Um, so we'd appeal to anyone if they were in the area. Uh, that's Tuesday morning uh, of the early hours of the 5th of November last, one thirty in the morning, if you saw Red VW Golf or saw it earlier in the night, um, if you could, any information would, would be grateful to the Gardaí there at Formoy will take it, 025 Um Second incident there we have, uh, Patricia, just to mention, in the context of uh, break-ins to cars, but in this case we believe both cars were unlocked, which is, an occurrence that we see altogether too too frequently, particularly in, it, it seems in kind of new housing estates. Um, in this case, the second of of, uh, of November last, um, that that's the early on the Saturday morning. Um, prior court, Watergrass Hill, a couple of cars, as I say, property stolen from them, lap, laptop and drill in one instance, and um, some other small items from the other car. But we believe, you know, they possibly were unlocked. I, th- I you know, I sometimes, because we, we talk about this all the time, I sometimes think it's because the majority of us are very trusting and we would never take anything that Absolutely. didn't belong to us. Yes. And because of yes. that, we foolishly believe that everybody else is as honest and as trusting as we are. And unfortunately, that's not the case. But at the same time, if we, if we go to and lock up, uh, if we go and park in a car park in town, we lock up. Yeah. So I think a lot of it is that we think that our driveway, you know, it's semi-private space. It's part of your home. Yeah, it's yeah. part of your home. So you think that automatically you're home, you're fine, you're safe. You know, but please, you know, make sure property isn't on display in the car and just make sure uh, that you lock up. And, and in many cases, it's opportunistic. You're not being targeted. It's just somebody it's, comes along, sees the car is open and boom. We've seen that from video that came from some houses, uh, situations where maybe two or three young fellas they're going along, they're trying one car after another. If the car if the car is locked, they just walk away from it until they find one that's unlocked. Yeah. So it is opportunistic, where, yeah. you know. And uh, but they come out, they, they they're possibly being dropped. They walk in, and uh, we know in a case they'll have a car maybe outside the estate waiting to pick them up. You know, when and if they have anything uh, of value. Um, another item that we just wish to mention is something that I've. Called 
covered in the past. Um, this particular car park, it was done about exactly two years ago, exactly the same modus operandi. So I'm going to Saturday, the 2nd of November last, uh, mid, mid-afternoon, 95-year-old female uh, sitting uh, on her own in a car, uh, you know, in the passenger side. Um, her son or daughter had gone in to do their shopping in, in Super Value, um, was approached by a non-national lady, came up knocking on the window looking for change for a trolley. Uh, the lady opened down the window, uh, the hand went in and took notes from her purse when her purse was produced. This is exactly the same as we have seen about two years ago, same car park, and about you could move back about a year and we saw it again the same. Now, this is a, this is a particular method that's been used by, uh, shall we say, non-national travelling criminals, you, you know, who sometimes travel down from Dublin area um, and literally would target car parks. Friday and Saturday seem to be good times because, uh, you know, maybe somebody has caught the pen, uh, collected the pension and the son or daughter goes in to do the shopping and they leave their mother or father sitting in the passenger seat of the car, you know. So and, they, and they are deliberately targeting elderly people. Absolutely. Vulnerable people, isn't Ab- that the case? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, now, now, in this case, they got away in a silver-grey Volkswagen Golf, distinctive in that it was a left-hand drive. Uh, okay. Unfortunately, we don't have, have, have a number of it. Um, but we'd say to people, and we give it out as a general advisory, you know, that if you are in that situation and you are approached uh, and you are sitting, uh, you know, waiting for your son or daughter to uh, come out, just pretend you don't understand. Keep the, keep the, keep the window up, you know. Lock pretend, the car. Lock the car, pretend yeah. to be asleep, pretend to be oh, whatever, but just don't, don't don't engage with don't, them and I know for the, for a woman in that age group you know 95 God help her uh, she's trying to be helpful absolutely, you know, whereas absolutely. If, if, if you have to be rude be rude just completely ignore somebody knocking on the window nothing to see here you're not going to engage uh, exactly yeah. and, as you, and as you just said and others I, I think us in the general public need to keep an eye out for that if you see somebody correct. approaching a car go over and ask 100% Yeah, 100% you, you know if we are the person that's parked you, you know and going in for something and we see an elderly person being annoyed you know in a car in this situation don't be afraid to go up and be inquisitive okay. you know and, say, and just see is everything uh, is, is everything alright you know and, and if t- uh, for a 95 year old woman it's an awful thing to happen and she Get, you know, God help her. You know, it's just an awful fright to get. It is, well. Look, no, look. The good thing is, there's no violence involved. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But at the same bless time, bless her heart. Pass on her if you're if you get to talk to her. Pass on her best wishes to her. It's just rotten that that should happen to her. Rotten. Thanks. So the thanks car park in Super Value in uh, yeah, but, but it could happen it, in any supermarket. It could be Lidl. It could be an Aldi. It could yeah. be Tesco. But um, they, they, maybe where they've uh, where has proved to be a good hunting ground in the past. You know, criminals are inclined to go back. To places where they've been had had look in the past, you know, yeah. and and possibly if they were to try that in in a, a car park up in Dublin, they'd be ignored. Yeah, you know, but out, out the country, more they, trusting, more the trust, trust rotten, is there, you rotten, know? horrible thing to do. It really um, okay, advice on fraud in this period as we're coming up to Christmas. You know, the Garda um, National Economic Crime Bureau and uh, in conjunction there with the Banking Payments Federation Ireland, you know, issued. Uh, an advisory there the other day, you know. There's a very, very good website. I mentioned it before, fraudsmart.ie. Huge amount of information on how to stay safe from, uh, you know, from being hit yourself by fraud. Okay. Now, we're advising customers to be on the alert. You know, text messages, emails, telephone calls, scams, in which victims receive a text or an email or a call appearing to be from the bank, asking them for personal details or security information designed to get unlawful access 
to bank accounts. It doesn't happen in in the real world. Banks are not going to be uh, calling you um, in you, you know looking for information like that. You know, so for people to be very very um, uh, <clears throat> to be very careful. You know, because as I said, our banks and other financial entities they're never going to make uns- unsolicited contact with individuals asking for personal details, account numbers, four digit pin numbers, or or passwords. You know, and. Um, to make sure if there is a link in that text message, if there is a link in that email, if there is a phone number in that email, do not under any circumstances use it. That to go and find independently, whether it's a phone book or director inquiries, the number of their own bank and, and ring it. Um, but do not use any link or any phone number uh, g- given in that email or message that you receive, you know. Um, I suppose other things that we see as well, um, online loan scam. Right, we're yeah. at a time of year that people, in some cases, are, you, you know, may not have money. Stuck for uh, a few bob. They're stuck yeah. for a few bob, and we often see, uh, you know, they may go on Google to to Google what you you, you know, uh, maybe cheap, easy loans or whatever, you know. Um, but invariably, the next time they open the iPad, you know, you'll see uh, maybe an ad appearing. You know, exactly for the thing you Googled maybe 24 hours earlier, how to get uh, um, how, how to get an easy loan, right? And, mm-hmm. and we're seeing this the loan stuff appearing on Facebook as well, you know. And invariably they'll see automatic, uh, uh, automatic approval, right? And the big thing for some people is no, um, no credit checks. Right. Okay. Uh, previous uh, previous credit history doesn't kind of disqualify you from from getting a loan because oftentimes it's people who may be under a lot of financial stress who may not have a very good credit history and they need money and they need money fast. But what this is called is an advance fee f- fraud scam, and the reason it's called advance fee is that in advance of getting. Uh, their, their loan application, uh, right? You would be told by the fraudster via email or whatever that they are asked to pay a fee in advance of the loan be issued. Uh, yeah, right? and you pass on the money, the fee. Exactly. So, and then the loan doesn't exist. Yeah, so w- every division we've come across instances of people, you, you know, they were looking for a thousand, uh, uh, say, uh, euro loan, but they're after dropping 300 already by... by sending that off you know oh wow you've got to be so so careful and, and these scam artists unfortunately they're getting better and they're changing their modus operandi the whole the, time alright they're changing all the time ok you know. alright good advice Thank as you, always uh, thanks for that that is uh, Sergeant John Kelly who is based at Fomoy Agar the station you're listening to Cork Today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed Sandy is picking up on when I asked Deputy Michael Collins about Noel Grealish's comments because I'd happened to see when Noel Grealish was talking about the Nigerian immigrants and the amount of money that they were sending out of this country every year. I happened to see that Michael Collins was sitting beside him in the door but as he said they're both independents that's why they sit together so he didn't he wasn't aware of what Noel Grealish was going to uh, bring up but um, Sandy is picking up on, on that piece about Noel Grealish. Noel Grealish is claiming a huge sum of money, $3.54 billion was what Noel Grealish is, he claims Nigerian immigrants are sending and he said it's a disproportionate amount of money uh, to be sending it out of the country and his reason for it wasn't that the money was leaving the country but he wanted to know, he was asking the Taoiseach was there adequate fraud detection measures in place even though the figures he used in the doll have been widely uh, disputed and the CSO has come out and said the figures much lower. It's about 17 million a year is sent to Nigeria. So nothing close to the 3.54 billion 
Union that would that Noel Greedy said had been sent over the last uh, eight years. And if you look at other countries like Poland, Lithuania and India, they there's much more money going to those countries from this country than from Nigerians. But Sandy makes an interesting point. Sandy says, I believe the source and the occupation of the sender may be the issue for Deputy Grealish here, not the working citizen sending money back home to their families, i.e. I don't know how many Nigerian citizens are in this country, but are they in a position, are they working, are they earning good money to be able to send that kind of money home? Are, says Sandy, is it the proceeds of money laundering being filtered through Nigerian banks or to other mule bank accounts, as has happened in other countries, including Ireland? Remember, Irish drug barons, said Sandy, forced or used Irish people who may be in their debt to launder cash or transport drugs. These people are classified as mules. A number have been caught and fined heavily and even jailed, says Sandy. And I think I think that's what Noel Grealish was trying to raise. I mean, if his figure is right, then serious questions has to be asked. I mean, that's a staggering amount of money and questions has to be asked where the money has come from and if people I mean when you look at the figures that I was calling out like a lot of Polish people uh, living and working in this country a lot of Lithuanians are living and working in this country and many of them will be sending money home to their families and according to the CSO 342 million euro annually goes out of this country to Poland and 92 million goes out of this country to Lithuania and to India 43 million euro but these they are these are people who are working hard in this country i mean certainly the money going out from uh, out to india a lot of those would be doctors and nurses that are working over here i mean if we didn't and it was the Radker himself when he was responding to noel grealish was making the point that if we didn't have immigrants in this country working and working so hard we would not have a health system and by the way it's the very same over across the water in the United Kingdom the NHS would not operate without migrant workers who have come to the United Kingdom to work with all the Brexit stuff that's going on about get rid of all the the immigrants if they were to decide in the morning to get rid of all the immigrants they would have no NHS and we would be the same here with the HSC. So there are people working very hard and it is their right if they want to use a proportion of their money to send it back to their loved ones who maybe are in much more dire situations than we are in here. And as I made the point to know uh, to Michael Collins, many people listening to this programme, I imagine, will be of a generation that they remember the dollars coming in the post are the pound sterling coming in the post and it put food on the table because a loved one went abroad to work. So, I mean, that's always happened and that will continue to happen. But, you know, if Noel Grealish can back up the figures he's coming up with, and I think Sandy is right, if you can look to the to where where the money was, how was the money gathered in the first place? Was it somebody genuinely working? If not, question marks need to be asked. And I think that's what Noel Grealish was trying to get at because he was saying is there adequate fraud detection but as I say he has been severely criticised and the figures he's quoting they say are wildly outlandish and he's been accused of all kinds of things including racism but thank you for your text uh, Sandy and also a lovely text in where's that just to give a mention to Catherine in Street she was one of the 
one of our lucky winners with the Get Up and Go Diaries that we gave away earlier on in the week and that arrived safe. Glad that you have received it, Catherine, and enjoy your Get Up and Go Diary across 2020. We've been talking about toys this morning. Uh, Mary is loving this morning's programme. Thank you, Mary. And the great ideas and tips for Christmas toys for children, particularly the smallies. She would also like to highlight how important it is for children to donate unwanted toys to charity shops. It's so much easier to dump them, but it can make a huge difference to families uh, to be able to buy something affordable. And I do think that's a nice thing to do as well if you're in a position and if your children have a lot of toys and God knows most children have a lot of toys. I always think it's a lovely thing to do in the lead up to Christmas to ask your children to donate one of their toys that they no longer need and to give it to a charity shop. And I'm not talking about a broken toy, but I'm talking about a toy perhaps that they no longer play with. It's still imperfect, Nick, and ask them when they come in from school today, ask them to sort out a toy and just let them bring it in. You know, if you want to, on the weekend, go into a charity shop and hand it in, they would be only delighted to see you coming with the toys. And Mary is right, some other family who not financially sound this year might just pick up that ideal Christmas gift that your child might have brought up, brought in that they no longer play with. And here's a lovely uh, WhatsApp in from a listener to say, Patricia, this is to do with the piece that I mentioned about the social worker who is said is so saddened every year to see parents coming, parents who can't afford to buy their children the most expensive iPads and Xboxes and Wii's and whatever else you're having yourself. And children then go to their parents thinking, were they not good enough or does Santa not like me as much as Mary who sits next to me because she got a bigger toy and a better toy and a more expensive toy and that's quite upsetting. So this is the social worker saying, keep that in mind if you are fortunate enough and blessed enough to be in the position to be able to afford whatever your child dreams and wants. But, you know, be practical and realise that not everyone is in the same boat and we don't want children to feel that they are in any way different. But it, this texter says, Patricia, when children start to notice the difference regarding the presents that their friends have received, it sometimes can mean that they are suspicious and have probably heard some stories about Santa Claus. I'm being careful in the way I'm wording this. A good way to break that news when the time arrives rise, is arises is to tell the child, oh, you've grown up a lot in the last year, you're much taller and you're so much more kinder. Talk to them about all the number of Santa Clauses that they've seen dressed up in all of the different stores when they've been growing up and tell them they've now come of age when they're ready to do their first job as a Santa. Now, this is what they need to do. They need to choose someone they know are someone in the neighbourhood who perhaps is lonely and they secretly need to decide what that person would like for Christmas. They must find the present, wrap it and deliver it, but never let the person know where it came from. They would be very important and not as disappointed as finding out the other piece of news that they will eventually one day find, find out. It's a lovely, nice tradition to hand on to their children. That is just gorgeous. That's such a lovely, lovely idea. And, you know, it brings me back to something my own son, who I'm very proud of and uh, was very proud of at the time, did when he was in, I would say, first year in school. And he used to walk home from school every day and it was in the era where they walked 
<laughs> not that long ago, can I say? He's not that old. But he was he used to walk home from school and he used to pass a sheltered housing complex and he got friendly. Just you know, as he's walking along, he got friendly with one of the residents in the sheltered housing uh, complex, and he'd stop and he'd have a chat with her, you know, every day about the weather and you know the ins and outs and whatever. A couple of minutes every day was all it was, and he was forever telling me about this lady and how he used to chat to her. And it was coming up to Christmas, and he said to me. I mean, he was waiting for her. He wasn't working or anything. I suppose I was trying to make him do chores around the house. He said, I'd really like to buy her something. She seems to be on her own. And I said, absolutely. What would you like to buy? So we went and he decided and it was like a dried flower arrangement. So they were all in at the time, I think, and some chocolates. And uh, we were heading away for Christmas that year. So on Christmas Eve, he said, I'll deliver it when we're heading away on Christmas Eve. Because he said, I don't want to give it to her early in case she thinks she's to buy me something back as that wasn't the reason that he was giving her the present. So we arrived down to the sheltered housing and she wasn't there. So we ended up having to leave it at the door for her and we went off on our merry way. And when we came home after Christmas there was a note in the door from her uh, to say she got such a fright when she arrived back and saw this present wrapped up on the doorstep and she didn't know who it was from and she ended up getting the security to take a look at it. Now luckily he had put a card inside in it but I thought afterwards wouldn't it would be nice if we'd just done a secret Santa but then I didn't want to frighten the poor woman but I thought it was on my son's behalf I thought it was a wonderful act of kindness and now he now has young children himself and I must remind his children of that story of of what he did because I thought it was just a lovely lovely thing to do so I think what this listener is suggesting is obviously something similar and it is a nice tradition and it's a nice tradition then as you say that when that child becomes an adult and has children of their own that they could they could pass that on as well. So thank you for that. Uh, 1815 333 103. John Paul is taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Como Ella, the Mallow Choir. They're holding their annual table quiz tonight. Albert Lynch's Bar. There's lots of spot prizes, and the night's going to be a great crack. A gala Christmas floral demonstration by Margaret Collins from Carlo is going to be held in Cool Carrow House in McCroom. Starts at 8, uh, supporting McCroom Community Hospital. And tickets are available from 087 9821708. The Cork Nature Network. They've got a talk on wolves. It's with Kieran Hickey. It's at Blackpool Community Centre tonight at 7. Irish Blood Transfusion Service. Would you like to donate a pint of blood? Please do. Donor Clinic Maritime Hotel in Bantry. 3 to 5 this afternoon and 7 to 9 tonight. For my community health project in association with Can Talk Cancer Support hosting an open information evening in the Fomoy Resource Centre. That's on this evening between 7 and 9 with a view to forming a Can Talk Cancer Support Group in Fomoy. Kildallery Community Development, their lottery draw, Sheehan's Bar tonight, jackpot 3,700. While Mallow GAA, they're holding their annual mass for deceased members in Mallow GAA complex tonight at 8. All are welcome. And tickets are now on sale for Music of the Night. It's a Christmas concert featuring Ryan Morgan, Derek Ryan and Anne Lenehan, which will be held in the Church of the Nativity in Donnerill on Friday the 22nd of November. Tickets are on sale from Centra in Donnerill, Donnerill Golf Club, 
and proceeds are going to the upkeep of both churches in Donnerwell. Also for the juvenile training at Donnerwell Golf Club. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now the 20-year-old Murphy Stout mural painted on the gable end of a private house on Castle Street in McCroom is no more. After it was painted over this week, local councillor Martin Coughlin uh, joins me. Good afternoon to you, Martin. Patricia. Now, the, the reason for the removal is the Public Health Alcohol Act. Isn't that the That's case? Right. That's right. Which states what? That's that right. it can't be near a school? Yeah, I think it can't be near schools. Or, and, and obviously, you have three or four schools within a, a small proximity of, of, of that mural, so I suppose it had to go, you know? Now, the first I heard of it was, was uh, some reporter from the examiner rang me about it, but I, I, at that stage, I didn't even know what was happening. But, um, so Heineken, then, it was, it's Heineken, uh, obviously, Heineken. Are, are responsible. They, they, they had no yeah. choice but to paint over it. So they didn't That's inform, it. and they didn't have to, I suppose, inform anyone. Oh, they just, no. they just oh, went in only, and painted. Only, only the person in the house. And they've painted over just the stout the, the part stout. of it. Yes, the, the, the point the point is stout is taken out. So the, the, there's three quarters, there's over three quarters of the mural still left on the wall. So... Um, Mrs. Flynn, the lady in the house, that when they when they came, so she she said she had made that deal with them that they'd, they'd just take out the point and they'd leave the rest, you know, rather than painting over the whole thing. So like that, 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 that there was a possibility of, of restoring the what what was taken out as well, like you know, with with something else mm. in time, you know. So like I mean, there was I suppose the, the mural as such isn't isn't destroyed. It's just that um, it's just now the wall of the castle is left. The point was to stand up over the wall of the castle, well, uh, half the point, you know. That's uh, what the, yeah, for people yeah. who hadn't seen it, that's what it was. It was like a huge that's big, was, half, you'd see half the point yeah. and half the castle. So they've left that's the right. castle bit and just that's right. blanked out the point. That's pa- right. But it's, it, it, it has been a landmark in, in McCroom. Are some people oh, up, yeah. upset to see it go? Yes, I've had a few people on to me to know what was happening. or And, you know, so that uh, it's definitely... Definitely, it was a landmark room with the last there, 20, 20 odd years, you know. And uh, I mean, it was a, it was very eye catching, very eye catching when you're coming from the Killarney side, you know. Yeah. And um, I've often seen, I've often seen busloads of tourists going through the town, pull up in the square, and see them all running back to the, the bridge to take photographs, oh. you know. <laughs> so it was, it definitely, it definitely caught the eye, you know. So, like, I mean, as I say to you, it, it, the thing isn't destroyed as such, you know. Um, it's, there's every possibility of putting something else into it. And I had a phone call from some company this morning looking for information as to who wanted the house and things that they might be interested. They do app things throughout the country somewhere and they might be interested in doing something there. And, and I believe it was painted by two local artists. It was, yeah, that, that's right. Um, Dennis Reuben and uh, Cormac Shields. And they know about it as well. They know that they, they knew what was happening because... Mrs. Flynn contacted them to get the proper colour paint for two. Oh, well done. Well done to, Mrs. Well, well done yeah. to Mrs. Oh, Flynn. Did, yes, and are, are Dennis and Cormac still doing that kind of work? Well, they are. We have, uh, as a matter of fact, they put up three new murals in McCroom last year. Well um, done. Yes, uh, one is down here at the entrance to uh, at the entrance to St. Cormac's Park. The Gabriel wall there belongs to Mary Kate O'Keefe. She gave them permission. And they have the last train leaving McCroom, uh, actually, in, in, in a postcard mural on, the, on that wall and then at the entrance to the town park in the central town they have a, another one done there of the hooded chalk the hooded chalk was worn by people uh, in McCroom uh, yeah uh, I've seen that one in yeah. the 19th yeah. century yeah. and so 
so that one is done. And then the third one was done on the on the house of Dennis Canty, New Street. He gave him permission for it to put it's a it's a photograph of the castle, the Macroom Castle when it was when it was in its full prime. And that one is there and they're done in three D. So that they're, they're they're very very well done and they're very eye catching. So there's well, is three. this is this just a passion on behalf of Dennis and Cormac that they love to it do is. these? There's no there's no doubt about that. Yes, and then they are joint forces with Cork County Council, Ian McDonough and the apps the, uh, the apps section of Cork County Council, and Cork County Council sponsored them. So quite, and they're quite stunning. Oh, they're fantastic! They're yeah. absolutely. Now that uh, Dennis tells me and 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 Cormac tells me they're not finished yet. They have another game in Gatsumer, so they're coming up with another one. And then we have a, we have a, a, the Good Lives pro- program here in, in Macroom as well, and they've done a they've done a big mural on the council shed at, in in Fair Green, and the the title of that one is Fair um, Fair Green. Uh, um, to, that's where the the fairs was be held, you know, yeah. uh, in in the older days. Yeah, so yeah. There, there's cattle and there's farm machinery and there's for the selling cattle and all that kind of stuff. So they've they're done, a, they're done a, f- a fantastic one there as well. So, uh, And who knows, uh, they, they they may go back and, and finish off and do something else on this site. Well, uh, yes, well, uh, yeah. Dennis, Dennis, Dennis and uh, and Karma could be willing to go back and finish off something in it, I'd say. But yeah. then I suppose, um, like, uh, there was a, probably a, an income off of the one that was there, so I, I'm not quite sure. Oh, like. they were renting. Of course, because it yeah. was a commercial. There was a commercial yeah, aspect yeah. to it. All right, yeah, okay. So, like, all right. That's something something that had to be discussed between, between them all. All right, all but well, well done to Dennis and Cormac. They're like McCroom's oh, yeah. answer to Banksy. We've got our own yeah. Banksy here in, in McCroom. Yeah. All right, Martin, yeah. listen, thank you for that. You're and uh, thanks, uh, thanks for joining us. And by the way, it was the 12th of November, which was Tuesday. 12th of November 2019 was the date. This is the, it's the Public Health Alcohol, uh, Alcohol Act and Section 4, Alcoholic Advertising in and on Public Service Vehicles, at public transport stations, or stations and within 200 metres of a school, a creche, or a local authority playground will be prohibited. And that's where that particular mural, it falls in under that part of the Act. That's why Heineken had no choice. They had until Tuesday to paint over it and it is no more. And there's a lot of people, I have to say, very upset um, about it. Some of you, if I can find some of the comments, we had comments in earlier about this. Um, Shane said, it's a pure shame that this is happen- happening. The world is becoming too sensible. Liz in McCroom said, I wonder did this art now gone from McCroom really breach the new laws on advertising alcohol? This was art at the end of the day. There are a lot of murals in McCroom relating to McCroom's history and this was one of them. Yes, in relation to drink in Cork history, but it's also part of us nonetheless. I feel art like this should not have been removed. I would like to know... I would like to know who did it and did it really breach the laws? Well, it did because it's in in 200 metres. So they they didn't have any choice. And Tom and McCroom removing that sign won't deter young people from drinking. They will drink regardless. And Mary Rose said another example of how daft some of our laws have become. I wonder how many are offended by the white cat because there's the white cat currently on the same uh, mural. Yes, somebody fearful of cats might put in an objection. Uh, 1850 now, Clonakilty Chamber of Commerce, in partnership with Norman Crowley's Cool Planet Champions, are hosting their inaugural Cool Clon event in the local parish hall tomorrow between 1 and 5 pm to discuss what this is a free event is all about. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm joined by West... Cork Councillor Paul Hayes. Good afternoon to you, Paul. Afternoon, Patricia. Uh, and, and you're welcome. Now, this is all about working on climate, a climate change strategy for Clonakilty. Just tell me how it all came about. You've been working on it for a number of months. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I suppose, look, it, it all emanated from um, a very well-attended meeting uh, organised, as you said, by Clonakilty Chamber of Commerce back in May. Um so the plan was kind of to, to plot out a roadmap for Clan for the next five to ten years and beyond. Um, and one of the speakers at that uh, was, as you say, a very successful West Cork entrepreneur, um, Norman Crowley. And I suppose he kind of set the, the, the tone and sort of seed to say that Clan could kind of lead the way again from a climate change point of view, um, as it has done with other initiatives, as you know, you know, the, the first fair trade town in... in first uh, autism-friendly town. Autism-friendly, yeah. exactly, yeah. So again, he's got this kind of uh, cool planet initiative um, again. So we kind of set up a subcommittee on the back of that. And as you said, then we've, we've spent the last number of months uh, liaising with local businesses, uh, schools and community groups, uh, talking to them and learning, getting to know what stories they have and what measures they've been doing themselves and just trying to put it all together so that we can kind of you know, uh, inform people and say, well, this is what you know, the hairdresser down the street is doing. Do you think you can do something similar or the hotel up the road? They're after cutting it back on their, uh, their heating um, and lighting bills you know, by changing to solar or to, to uh, in, uh, reducing their refrigeration um, uh, costs and things like that. So it's all about, I suppose, learning from the success stories of others and, and passing that information on to, to others then. So what's the format of tomorrow then? Again, so I suppose really um, we're, we're going to be based in the parish centre from one until five. Um, you're going to have different stalls all the way around the hall. Um, there's going to be fun stuff there too, again, so the, pre- the, the kids can come along after school and they can be making slime and what we're calling molecular cocktails and things like that. Okay. Um, so again, we'll have different speakers uh, talking about um, the grants that are available. If people want to uh, discuss possibly going solar in their own house or whatever, there'll be banks there and people from solar companies to talk about all that kind of stuff. Uh, again, we'll have uh, different companies that have gone down the road of improving um, as said, environmental uh, initiatives themselves. So they'll be giving a quick talk for maybe five or ten minutes about what they have done. So again, from a business point of view or from just a residential point of view, I think sometimes people feel, feel a little bit overwhelmed when they hear about climate change. And, you know, well, the I think they, they, there's this notion, I think, where people feel one person, I'm one person, I can't make a difference. Mm. My little house can't make a difference. But exactly. that's, it can if we all do our little bit. 
Exactly, yeah. I mean, from, from composting or changing our habits, you know, when we go shopping, we have a fantastic initiative here in Clan called Twig. It's a refill shop, so if you went in with your with a, with a tub or whatever, you can get your cornflakes or rice krispies or pasta or whatever you want, rather than buying, you know, the, the, the plastic version. Is that proving shop, successful? Yeah, absolutely. But again, it's just about raising awareness and other shops are doing it now, like uh, the Super Value in town as well have taken on a number of initiatives like that as well. Like we throw away, you know, I suppose you'll know myself with the the other job uh, in the coffee side of things, uh, we we throw away 200 million coffee cups every year in Ireland alone. And a lot of those, I, I know things have improved in recent years, but a lot of them aren't compostable or biodegradable. So, again, it's But even what frustrates me, Paul, is even the ones that are uh, compostable and biodegradable and they end up in the wrong bin. Mm-hmm, absolutely, yeah. They do need to... Um they do need to, to go into the proper bin to, to work correctly. Yeah. Again, as I said, we, we, we did bring on, on board and, and have been liaising closely with the local schools. I mean, there's some fantastic work going on uh, at the minute out there and for some very, very talented people working uh, with our youth. You know, they're doing rainwater harvesting, uh, growing school gardens and promoting biodiversity and things like that. So I suppose from our point of view, you know, if you wanted to, 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 you know, the winds have changed to blow, we do need the young people on board and uh, they'll be a major part of our project going forward after our launch tomorrow. So again, look, they'll be, you know, putting a bit of pressure on their parents and on to, on to decision makers like ourselves and local government or farther up the line, you know, to implement the changes that are needed, you know. So OK, so but a lot of tomorrow, a lot of tomorrow is about information and, and if you want to find out a little bit more and find out what we all can, as individuals can do. Yeah, absolutely. There'll be a lot of fun stuff there. We'll have a suite of electric cars. You, you'll see a little bit of um, Hollywood too in, in West Cork around the place tomorrow as you, what might look like um, Magnum PI's uh, red Ferrari uh, will be around the town as well. It's fully electric. It, it's, uh, it, it's, I, I read it, it, it's an electric Ferrari car. Yeah, absolutely. So oh. Norman Crowley's um, uh, part of Norman Crowley's business is converting uh, supercars like Lamborghinis and Ferraris and things like that into an electric version. Uh, I, I, I think I'd have to probably win the lotto before I could probably yeah, afford I'd, to buy I'd, one. I'd be the same. I'd be even afraid to sit into it, I'd say. But it'd be great we, to we, see that around the town. It will, yeah. And we, we will have a suite of uh, cars from Kiri's uh, uh, garage as well, just regular electric cars. So people can come in and have a chat with the, the, the guys there involved and say, look, right. well, this is how much you're saving by going electric. So a lot and of and electric stuff. is the future. Electric cars are certainly the future. OK, and who are you hoping Paul will attend? Who are you pitching this at? Well, as I said, like we, we want maybe um, people from the business sector. Um, we will have speakers there from the farming side of things as well. Harold Kingston, I know you've, you've had him on the show, show several Many times. times. Just to, to outline what the, the farming sector, sometimes they come in for, I suppose, a bit of, a bit of flack when it comes to uh, climate issues. But like Harold will be outlining um, what the farming sector are doing. Certainly uh, young people, as they come in after school, if you can, as we'll be there till five o'clock anyway. And uh, again, parents and just regular residents, as I said, we'll be showing people what you can recycle and what you can't recycle. Because a lot of people think, oh, that's plastic. I put it into my bin or, you know, bits of paper, whatever, receipts and things like that. But some things, I think it's only 12%, unfortunately, of what we put into our recycling bins can actually be recycled. recycled. And actually, do you know how many people have been watching that programme on RTE where we did an interview about it, actually, when they were looking for families that's following the three families it's been on the last two nights since the third part is on tonight. But that's yeah. the one thing that's intriguing is what they're putting into the bins, what they thought was yeah. acceptable in the bins. And watching them, watching them in one of the facilities, one of the pandemic facilities where they were going, where it's somebody's job to go through all those bins. You know, it's mm. just horrible. Yeah. Horrible that somebody yeah. has to do that. Yeah. We need to and educate ourselves. 
yeah, and food waste, I know you were chatting about yourself recently enough, but cleaning out a cupboard and things like that and throwing things out. It's all about, you know, what, what we're throwing out. We should be buying uh, goods as, as, as best we can, I suppose. That's yeah. grown locally yeah. and, and in season and things like that. So we'll be talking about composting, all that side of things. Well, no. And again, there'll be, there'll be a bit of buzz around town. RTE will have cameras down, you know, to, to feature the whole thing. And it will be featuring the 1 o'clock, 6 o'clock and 9 o'clock news Brilliant. as well. And uh, so, yeah. Because it's, yeah, it's Climate Action Week, isn't it, on the, on the TV? They're doing stuff all week. OK, listen, good luck with it. And it's, it's on tomorrow between 1 and 5 in the local parish hall. That's it, exactly. That's the start of it. As I said, we'll be following on with other initiatives over the, over the next number of weeks. And we will we'll look forward to them. hearing from those on the programme, Paul. Thanks for choosing. Thanks a million. Thank Thanks a Take million. Care. Bye-bye. That is uh, West Cork uh, Councillor Paul Hayes. If you're around Clan tomorrow, keep a lookout for the inaugural Cool Clan event. 1850-333-103. John Paul uh, taking your calls. Just a couple of comments in on toys... The, where's the one on the toys? John and Cove. Oh, when I was t- suggesting bringing your second, bringing your toys to donate toys to charity shops, John and Cove tells me that they brought toys into a charity shop but unfortunately they couldn't take the items. One of them, for example, was a child's buggy. Nothing wrong with it and other toys. But due to regulations, the charity shop that John popped into said they couldn't take the child's buggy or the toys. And I don't know if that's the same across all toy shops charity shops with toys so you need to check that out in advance thank you for that Hi Patricia this year the Elf on the Shelf have brought out three new elves which can be bought in deals and they encourage children to donate food to donate toys and to donate clothes to those in need it's a fantastic uh, story isn't that a lovely idea Uh, terrific on money going out of this country by foreign nationals Anthony said in regards to money being sent out of the country how many countries do we send child benefit back to and could this be a big part of the problem well the money we were talking about that the CSO uh, gives out about the amount the the figures, that's got nothing to do with the child benefit. The child benefit money has got to do with our membership in the EU and it only goes out to other countries if the child isn't living with the person who's working in another country. But that works in reverse. If an Irish person goes and works in mainland Europe and their children are back home here in this country, then the child benefit from that country comes back this way, that works both ways. That That's an EU uh, decision. And Christie says, in my opinion, this is on the money going out of the country the, and racism and old Grealish being accused of racism. The, the biggest amount of racism in this uh, country is perpetrated against us, the Irish people ourselves. The word racist has been freely bandied about by those who try to shut down debate. Fair play to Noel Grealish. Grealish for asking the question maybe he could have asked it in a more balanced way for sure which would not have brought so much ridicule on him. The people of West Cork by the way are very lucky to have a TD of the calibre of Michael Collins. We need more like him and that's from Christy in Temple Glanton and Margaret says oh my God Patricia this is in regard to the mural that's been removed in McCroom the, country, the government have gone mad. It's like changing the packet of cigarettes. It makes absolutely no difference. That mural was beautiful and it's not going to change anyone, said Margaret. It's not going to. Actually, the number of people that are pointing that out, that these rules and regulations are brought in, that you can't advertise within 200 metres of a school or a creche or a playground. The amount of people that are making that point saying, really, Patricia, do you really think that's going to stop young people drinking? Uh, most people are saying it will not. 1850 333 103, lines open. 
this is the Cork Today replay on C103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. Now, we don't have our regular vet slot with Jane this week, but we are going to stay on the animal theme because puppy foster carers are urgently needed in the Munster area for the Mallow-based charity Autism Assistance Dogs Ireland. Joining me with details from the AADI is Carla and Kia, who joins me in studio. Good morning to you, Carla. Good morning. And you, you are very you are very welcome. Now, the charity has been running since 2010. How many dogs have you trained to date? Um, so today we've placed over 55 dogs, I think. Um, and we have at the moment 27 puppies in training. So we're on a big push at the moment to expand our services and place more dogs each year. And to do that, we need to bring more puppies into training, which is what we're doing. And obviously the flip side of that is the more puppies we bring into training, the more puppy foster carers that we need. So as we're increasing our numbers of uh, fam- uh, puppies in the foster care scheme, we need these um Fantastic volunteers to support because us. Because even though, you know, 55 is fantastic uh, families whose lives have been changed mm-hmm. with these with these dogs and the 27 odd that are in training, I take it the waiting list continues to grow, does it? Yeah, so actually our waiting list has been closed now oh. for four years. Oh. Um, the people on the waiting list have waited five or six years. The people at the top have been waiting five, six years. Um, we are actually in a position where we're kind of hopeful that we may may be able to do something about reopening the waiting list in the new year. Um, and it's all part of our strategy to expand the organisation, expand the number of dogs that we're placing each year. So we're currently kind of, I suppose, at the beginning of a three year strategy to make drastic changes in the amount of dogs we're putting out. Um, and the first stage is bringing in all these puppies into our training programme. Okay, what kind of puppies, what kind of dogs do you use? So we generally use retrievers or Labradors um, okay. or a mixture of both. Um, they're nice-sized dog. They're, they're really, really trainable and they're really, really tolerant um, dogs and they just work really, really well for the job that they need to do. So they look really cute when they're puppies at eight mm. weeks old, but they do grow quite big quite fast. So we always urge <laughs> any new fosterers uh, to bear that in mind that, you know, they might get a few cute fluffy poppy um but within, eight weeks w- within old. weeks that dog has grown within weeks literally within okay, weeks you'd so, really, uh, so what do you growing. what do you ask of the foster care yeah so we're looking for people who might be home quite a lot of the day they would need to be able to dedicate a little bit of time to training the poppy um we have a poppy care supervisor who would come out and meet with you regularly um and help you with the basics of training the poppy. So, so when you say training, what what, what are you you're looking for them? What on the lead? Yeah. So just general good obedience, good habits, walking nicely on the lead, house training. Um, the main thing is socialising. So we would be asking fosterers to allow the dog to 
be a part of family life as much as possible. So if you're going to the kids' soccer game or if you're going shopping, you know, we'd be expecting you to try and take that puppy everywhere with you and it, introduce that puppy to as many different situations as possible. Because in its working life, that's what it will be doing. Exactly, exactly. And that's the main role of the fosterers really is to instill really good habits in the puppy, help shape the puppy to become a really good assistance dog. But the main thing is to socialise it and to expose the puppy to all these different sights and sounds. So when it does come in for its intensive training, you know, there's a good level of basics there and it has experienced a lot. And of nothing's going to scare it or, exactly. or, or whatever. Yeah. How long does a puppy stay with a foster family? OK, so it really it does vary quite a bit. We'd kind of usually it may be about eight months. So depending on what age the puppy is when it comes to you, um, they're in the puppy foster care program between eight weeks of age and 18 months of age usually um but you would only have the same puppy for up to around eight months it's just that we like to expose the puppies to different environments and different family situations so you might have the slightly older puppy for a few months or you might end up with a slightly younger puppy for a few months um it's just all like we've just found it just really helps the puppies learning different to be adaptable in different situations um, Again, because fo- in their working life, that's what sh- that's what you're going to need. Exactly, exactly. You know, they're going to have to be really, really adaptable. And like that, we might place a puppy in a family situation and we might find that the puppy is perhaps not thriving in that situation. We might want to move it to a different situation to see does it thrive in a slightly different situation. Um and some fosterers enjoy fostering the younger puppies. Some enjoy the, the older, older puppies, yeah, and it yeah. depends on their situations as well. So, I mean, and generally, some will it's have a, a busier months. household than others, and and and, exactly. and all of that. And yeah. you cover all of the puppy costs. Yeah, so I mean, there is a bit of a time commitment there, but we we try and make it as cost neutral as possible. Um, our trainer would come out to you um, for puppy classes and things like that, and we cover all the feeding, vet bills, bedding, toys, treats. Um, that side of things is okay, all well covered done. by the charity. Well done. And anywhere across Cork City and County, is it? Or? Yeah, so we're looking for fosterers anywhere really in the Munster area, but primarily in Cork City, Cork County, Limerick. Okay. Yep. And how many, fo- how many foster families would you have at the moment? Oh, I actually couldn't tell you. Yeah, <laughs> we, we've about 20, uh, we've 27 puppies in the foster care scheme. A couple of foster families actually have two puppies because we're short on. Okay, um, so there is there is an urgency. Yeah, we're, we're short on foster families at the moment. So the main, the main thing, Carla, you ask uh, is that you, you can't be working full time. This dog can't be left on, on this puppy can't be left on the road. Yeah, so the puppies can't be left at all, really, for any more than two hours at a time. So generally, we you know, we try and um use foster families where there is a parent um, a member of the family at home all the time yeah Yeah, so it might be a stay at home parent or someone who's unemployed or even somebody who maybe works from home part time um, anything like that it's just because it's all to do with with Mm socialisation and then the pup goes back how long does it take you then to get that pup up and running and, and a fully working dog yeah, so when they leave the, the foster care programme, they'd be in what we call intensive training for three to five months and um, they're placed then with a the family, they're matched with um, a family. And the, the difference they make to a child in a family's life? Astronomical, yeah. Couldn't even put it into words, I'd say. Um, I mean, the main thing is obviously the dogs are trained for safety and to provide these children with safety when they're out and about, but they reduce the anxiety levels for the whole family. Um, they allow the family to, you know, 
participate in community life, to go out and about and do things that we all take for granted. And that's huge. But I mean, they've there's evidence there that they improve communication skills. Parents tell us their child's confidence skills have grown. Um, different behaviours have improved, sleep's improved. It's The benefits are huge. It's, it's yeah. incredible. I remember interviewing a woman who was one of the first to get one of the dogs and uh, I, I just said to her what difference has it made because she was talking about the child but I was saying for the whole family and she said it allows us to be normal. And I just, yeah. it was it was kind of a, a statement that stayed with me. She said, mm-hmm. It just allowed us to be norm, normal. And do, are you state funded? Do you get any state funding? No, so we actually uh, funded, actually more than 90% of our funds actually comes from donations and fundraising and a small percentage then would be from different grants that we apply for but we get no government funding at all that's incredible it's incredible and the fundraising an ongoing nightmare but you're doing amazing work Um, uh, Carla we will put up your contact details on our Facebook page as well so that people can contact you you're based in in Mallow 022-43851 that's correct is your number and it's uh, Autism Assistance Dogs uh, Ireland Uh, we've got to leave it there thank you for that uh, Carla good luck uh, getting your foster families Uh, that's where I leave it thanks John Paul talk to you tomorrow at 10 this Sunday evening, we flick the switch. Join C103 Cork as we turn on Cork's Christmas lights with Cork City Council. It's going to be the biggest ever switch on party on Patrick Street with the Academy of Popular Music, Cork Deaf Choir, the C103 Street Fleet, Santa Claus and more. Join us for the switching on of Cork's Christmas lights this Sunday at 7.15pm with The Echo and C103. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.